I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Welcome in to episode number 290 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, number 9 NCAA ranked, and of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB, it's Deej, in studio! Yes sir, back in one of my favorite cities in all of America. Back at it again, just like Daniel with the white vans. Ready for another PLL postseason run for the boys. If you're going to be in Boston, if you're going to be, I should say, Foxborough, there's a distinct difference because just for my own personal experience of driving, <laughs> Foxborough, way further away from Boston. If you're going to be in Foxborough at Gillette, you're going to be on Long Island at Hofstra and of course if you're going to be in the best goddamn city in America Philadelphia Pennsylvania because the city of champions is where we crown PLL champions let us know hit us up because we are going to be at every playoff tour stop and we're ready to rock and roll we're going to break down quick hit everything that happened the final week of the regular season DJ and I both have some takes on Chrome as they head into their offseason eliminated from the playoffs last week. So they will not be on this little stretch run of the postseason. Uh, we're going to talk about the award winners. The end of year awards have been uh, calculated and announced as we record this on Saturday night. We'll give you our breakdown of the quarterfinals, how we see things playing out. And then I know I promised you guys last week that I had a super hot fire take. I'm not going to forget this week. And if I do, blow up the comment section on YouTube because we're back to our goofy hours. We're recording this late night. So we may forget some things or we may just get chaotic and just out of control. So stay tuned for the fun. But before we get into everything, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, threads. The TikTok content is going to be absolutely bonkos this weekend and this entire playoff run so you're definitely going to want to follow us over there follow Deej on Twitter at SCS underscore next great follow me at KBIZZL311 subscribe to the podcast feed Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there 
leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping this show continue to grow, helps more people find OTB, helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia as a whole. Check out all the shows on our network as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, 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 leave a five-star review. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show every single week, every show on our network. Deej got to take in and help produce our Violent High School football coaches show, Guzman's Gridiron, that's been doing numbies for us. Uh, so you get that. You get every show. And, Deej, I I got to say, we're, we're in crunch time, and I mistakenly – Stopped at the stop at the airport today at Alaska Air because we are currently sitting at 538 subscribers on the YouTube channel. You have the Guzman's Gridiron fans to thank because they've been coming out and subscribing as of late over the past couple of weeks. But it's unfortunate that your return flight is not going to Kalamazoo. It is going to Alaska. Yeah. Unless the people come through over the next two days. Crunch need, time. Need a lot of people to come through. <laughs> now, we are we are ones for moving the goalposts just quite a bit. Can we prevent potentially? I'll I'll give this to the people. Let's see if the people can come through. I know. Two and a half months ago, it felt possible. We were on a trajectory that we could get there. How about this? If we can get to 600 subscribers before the end of the PLL season, I'll cancel your your temporary Airbnb on the little island in Alaska. We won't have to have that giant tax write-off. This is all this is all a joke. IRS, don't come for me. Um, <laughs> and if we get to 600 subscribers before the end of the PLL season, you can go back to Michigan. Okay. I like that. Which like means that. over the next 21 days, three weeks, we have three weeks to conjure up and find 62 people who have not subscribed to click that subscribe button i feel like you're going to be doing a lot of guerrilla marketing these next couple of weeks at these various playoff stops i know in boston foxborough gillette stadium and on long island we are going to have appearances from our co-workers here that live in those specific areas. I'm sure you're going to be sending them on missions to get people to subscribe. 62 people. That is the magic number. The Jason Kelsey number. Very iconic person for our company. We can get 62 subscribers before September 24th when the clock hits zero of the championship game and we crown either a defending or new champion of the PLL, I will allow you to go back to Michigan. Okay. So there it is. Subscribe to the goddamn YouTube channel. 
let them know. This this is on. This is all for you, man. Let well, them know. You don't want to do, start this new trip around the sun. In somewhere where there is no sun. <laughs> I have a question, though. What if I happen to go bonkers this weekend and get 62 people to follow Monday? Okay. Does that mean I get to go home? I'll allow it. Okay. On one condition. I got to check the numbies. Because obviously we are growing on various social media platforms. We can get the 62 people there and 42 by the end on TikTok to get us to 100 followers on TikTok. Currently at 58. Obviously, we've only been on TikTok for two months. I'll let you go back to Michigan with your belongings. <laughs> I didn't realize my belongings weren't going. <laughs> That's a new part of this deal. <laughs> you learn something new every day, kids. Please subscribe to the channel if you are not already subscribed. Follow us on TikTok, OTB Pod, Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. All of the socials, but importantly, YouTube and TikTok. Yes, specifically YouTube, because that is where we're trying to grow as an entire company. Make that is where the pop. money is made. So let's make it happen. Um, go subscribe to the YouTube channel, and be sure to get your merch. PHIapparel.co is the place to go if you want to stand out in the crowd. These PLL playoffs, going into the NLL season, college season, if you're just shooting around. Hoodie season is upon us, and I promise the duck merch is coming. Go to phiapparel.co, use code underground, you get 10% off any and all merch orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing. Tag us when you get your merch. Tag PHI Apparel Company as well. We want to see where you're rocking your merch from. New merch is, is on the way, working on some stuff, conjuring it up. Um, so go to phiapparel.co. Code Underground. Get 10% off any and all merch orders. I can't wait to cut this merch promo I have in my brain this this coming Monday at Gillette. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait. Um, but let's get into it, DJ. What's popping? How was the flight? We all know whenever DJ is in suit, we got to talk about the flight. There's been some travel stories. How was the flight? Shout out to the boy Colin Squires. The Colin Squires travel journeys brought to you by colin squire's namesake <laughs> colin this is specifically for you your rankings need to be updated in terms of anything that's not delta shouldn't be on your rankings i refuse to fly anything that is not delta i had a fantastic time on my flight plenty of room I literally walked through TSA in five minutes, handed the guy my ID, went through the line, put my shoes back on in a total of five minutes, and maybe even less than that. It was absolutely gracious to just walk through. Flight was great. Takeoff landing. There's one little drop of turbulence. Take off. Take off. <laughs> There's one little drop of turbulence, and I was like, uh. But other than that, it, it was it was 
Call the turbulence. Call the turbulence. (laughs) But not for me. (laughs) But getting off the plane. Do some people not know the etiquette of getting off a plane? Man. I had about 15 people come from the back of the plane and just stand next to me. Not from the back of the bird. They're like, bro. That's not. Shout out to the boys. And I think at one point I said, did somebody not teach y'all how to get off a plane? Just just wait your turn. Man. I've been at the back of the bird. I know it sucks, but just sit. You ain't even got to get up. Just just keep resting. Wait your turn. How you going to get off. up from the back of the bird? When you, you can't, can't get, get in. <laughs> And then the Philly airport was just a nightmare. That's the worst I've ever seen it in my life. Like the amount of times I've scooped you up from the airport, scooped Sarah up from the airport when she's gone overseas, fucking us leaving for like vacations that I took when we were younger. I've never seen it that bad. I don't know. Uh, Another good point. My dad brought this up when we got back to the crib. The the hurricane and everything, too, delayed a ton of flights, probably. So then a lot of people were flying in today for stuff that they were probably supposed to be here, like, days ago. But I was like, God damn, I have never once had to circle around and go back in to pick DJ up from the airport. today. That changed today. I got to put that finger down during Never Have I Ever. <laughs> I'm glad I could be the one to grace like, you with God that God damn, it was great. Cops directing traffic, like... People Certain sections everywhere. like blocked off for commercial vehicles only. I was like, "What is happening? Are they like, is, is Bitcoin back up? Like, <laughs> are they handing it out? Like, dude, it, man, never seen anything like it. People were absolutely everywhere, and I was just like, what? There was luggage on the ground. I was like, what is happening right now? It was a madhouse, but we made it. We survived. We are here. I'm glad TSA was short. I actually had to turn around. I I went through a cup I parked at the airport, got off my level, got on the on the elevator, went down one level, started heading to the walkway, and got probably about halfway to the walkway when I went. I don't have my carry on suitcase. <laughs> so I had to turn all the way around and go back to my car, get my carry on and walk back. But when you got a five minute walk through TSA, it, it I could have showed up when my plane started boarding and wow. i would have been just fine it, it was immaculate because at, at a lot of airports they really only share their terminal with international mm. so you're not really there's so many less people going through there you have so much more time um so there's your flight chronicles brought to you by colin squires um Let's recap real quick everything that happened in Salt Lake. We had some great games across the board. Water Dogs pull the air quote upset um, on the Archers uh, to prevent the Archers from tying the best record in PLL regular season history. 14-13, your final score there. Redwoods secure their spot in the championship series this winter with a 12-7 win over Atlas. And for a hot minute, man. I thought it was going to come true. I thought Atlas were going to lose by eight, and then it was all going to be on Chrome to secure their own destiny. But then Atlas clawed back, and Redwoods win by five. Nonetheless, a great effort there by the Woods. No overtime, which was great um, for them, and, and just keeping everybody 
fresh as possible instead of going to three straight overtimes. Cannons beat the Whip Snakes 15-11 to to secure the number two seed in the playoffs. And then Chaos and Chrome season in one of the most talked about games, if not the most talked about game of the weekend because we had a big old scrappy-dappy-do in this one. Uh, Chaos win 13-7 to in the Kacha battle. Um, the fight was wild. I don't think I've seen... I asked Andy Towers about this in the press conference. Ryan Smith got thrown out of the game, and then he got brought back into the game because he should have never been thrown out of the game to begin with. Um, very funny that people nominated for uh, sportsmanship and leadership awards, or sportsmanship and teammate awards were ejected from the game. Um, Colin Heacock going full-on are-you-not-entertained mode, throwing his stick into the crowd. Uh, Justin Anderson throwing his pads and everything into the crowd. I don't know if that was just a signal of like, all right, it's over. <laughs> but I it certainly was. Duh. What else what, <laughs> would it have been? What a way like, for your season to end. I leave mean, it by leaving the bench. That's kind of like fire. <laughs> like, I'm like, my season would ended a long time ago if that's all it took. Because. <laughs> I could I, I can't imagine how much anger and like disappointment and stuff they just had built up all season. Like all it really took is a moment like Especially that. Especially for those two guys who won the championship series in February and it was like oh, like we won to get like most of that championship series unit from Chrome, like those twelve guys were on the roster this year, one way or another. Like those guys were like yeah, we like now we know how to win together. We know what it takes, and then this happens. And I don't know if there's ever been like such a polar opposite effective start to a year <laughs> for a team in the PLL to an end the way that it has been for Chrome to put a trophy in your trophy case, the first ever of the championship series, to then go win your opening game you pulled the 2022 cannons you win your opening game in albany and then go winless the rest of the season just a wild tumultuous roller coaster year for chrome um it just shows how different sixes is though yes and like it also shows why we need sixes in the game of yep. lacrosse like guys that and, and what i hope we can get to a point at with the league is where Sixes is almost like a feeder league, mm -hmm. you know, a feeder league for the league. You Slash whole, like revival. Yeah, like you have a whole separate league that runs as sixes. And like they can be it, almost kind of like the G League where they have mm -hmm. similar colors and similar branding. I brought that up not to the Connor exact same thing. in Baltimore, I want to say, was the last weekend I was on the road. Um, like once teams have their home bases and that's all kind of like set in stone and you know not this coming season that we'll have in 2024 but a couple years down the line every team should have almost like a minor league team or like you said a g league team that's also playing in that home city during mm -hmm. the week or something keeping those guys fresh and ready to go like if they get called up to the roster or whatever it may be and those teams are playing sixes yes yes and i think it's exciting it pulls in the average person and then, you know, you're making more money for the league, but it also gives 
Like, that can be a full-time stop. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, like, there aren't a lot of full-time stop G League players, but there are some. Mm-hmm. And with the PLL, they, they, they're they trending in a direction to where they would be able to pay those guys enough money for that to be a full-time spot. And that's a place where certain guys would thrive better than they would in the PLL. Yes. Not saying Romar isn't possibly going to have an even better year next year, but – Romar could be one of those kind of guys that just plays sixes because of how good he is at sixes. Justin Anderson, Colin Hecock, those guys were so good at sixes. Marco Rook, who is getting some time with Atlas, but like he would be a mainstay if they had a, a subsidiary sixes team. So it's just getting more guys opportunities, getting more eyes on the sports. Like that's why we need sixes. I understand. I mean, look at Jeff Trainer. Like it. Jeff Trainer's obviously a phenomenal player for the Cannons and was phenomenal for the Archers last year, but like he thrived in sixes. Yep. And that it's just great for the league if you can have the most amount of players showcasing their ability. Um I just need this weekend, I need Eddie Glazner to drop the location, time, uh and all that detailed information of when the Redwoods defense uh, tryout for the Sixers roster is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to be there. I would love to Eddie see Glazner uh, unofficially invited everybody in the Zoom press conference last week to uh, come watch the Redwoods defense audition for the Sixers roster, which, Eddie, we will pull up. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm trying to think. If there is one that would make it, who would it be? Uh, I think Eddie hit the nail on the head. It sucks because he is going to be playing NLL, but Owen Grant. Okay. Not Owen Grant, then. Um, <laughs> I might. I, I would like to see Eddie play. I think Eddie has like the the grit factor to play sixes. Does he have the speed? Probably not. But he's got, like, the physicality on the back end to play sixes if he had to. Um, you sound like him saying he's not athletic. I think he got the speed Oh, I'm not real. saying he's not. But I let's, think he got let's the, not forget. I think he got the speed for My real. boy's H-less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Arden Cohen could also hang. I, I'd have to say I'd want to see Sexton. Yeah. He's got the body, he's got the speed, and like I wasn't even thinking LSM's kind of craved to just play short every once yeah. in a while. Like I, I can imagine him. It just also sucks that being like, a dog. Isaiah Davis Allen plays NLL because he would be unbelievable in six. He'd be a dog. Brian Tevlin's gonna Tevlin's shine. gonna be amazing. I think Merrill's gonna be good as well. Um, Nakai is Nakai gonna be would, awesome. Yeah, when he comes back and is healthy, I think Jules can can yeah, kind of shine. Jules some. is going to be very fun. Um is Kirsty playing NOL? I think I he was think, drafted, yeah. but I don't know if he's like Desert Dogs. Okay. He probably will Same play. with Nakai, but that I don't seems know gonna if he's going to play. That Desert Dogs team is yeah. going to be gross. Uh, oh. Ryder and Sixes is going to be Oh, give it to me. Unbelievable. Um and I mean maybe maybe it is the the spark and rejuvenation that Perk needs. I mean, I could see Perk being pretty de- – I could see him having something similar to Romar last year where, like, Romar had a very down PLL season mm-hmm. and then bursted through through the uh, the championship series. So, I I think this is the kind of with game With the decreased that, 
arc length and everything in sixes i think perk could shine and like i mean that's what i mean and like we need this to be a mainstay like this could that could save perk's career Mm -hmm. instead of being shipped off or ending up in the player pool or something he just gets demoted down to the sixes roster and they bring up somebody who's been playing well and then you keep players in but then that's like that becomes the player pool ah so everybody is like assigned players in the player pool but like if somebody's playing well and they want to just sign your guy they can mm-hmm. and then you just figure it out from there like can't, like you, you can't wait for like a year and a half from now this all happens and it's out there just like every idea um so your championship series it's the archers it's cannons water dogs redwoods i don't think we could have asked for a better group of four this year um just as a whole from roster construction to guys that will be available to play it's going to be a lot of fun in february but we've got plenty of time to talk about february we are into the postseason but before we get to the postseason let's talk about award season it's brought to you by our pals over at trophy smack Talk that about was the worst recap we've ever done. It was pretty, pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. I'm not, I'm not, Chrome got eliminated. I, I, listen, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Chrome got eliminated and Water Dogs. I mean, we didn't wanna, touch on any of the games. <laughs> I don't care. Won a fantastic game, and there were body funny. cams. It's fine. Yeah, the body cams were sick. Um, but award season is here, and it's brought to you by Trophy Smack. DJ's got his fantasy draft while we'd be, while we'd be driving up to Boston. Uh, you can upgrade your fantasy smack talk. It's never too late to do it with our pals over at Trophy Smack. They got trophies, belts, metal wall art, turnover chains, rings, last place trophies. You name it, they've got it. Go to trophysmack.com slash underground and upgrade your fantasy smack talk today. That's trophysmack.com slash underground to upgrade your fantasy smack talk there's the yawn put a ding on the board um that's because you're not messing with our other spots we'll get to them because they're gonna get us (laughs) fired up i got it right here i got it on deck um pll award end of year awards were announced on saturday night and i'm pulling up all of the winners here that's my laptop decides to just be super slow um some big surprises some shockers man (laughs) some uh potential snubs that happened let's run it through the winners and then we'll talk about our thoughts on each one so rookie of the year at least i got a preseason prediction correct tucker dordovic wins rookie of the year and they say, I don't know college ball. Look at the kid. You don't. Don't even do that. SpongeBob me. It's a joke. <laughs> this guy. Tucker wins rookie of the year. Um, kind of surprising. I think a lot of people thought, not that Tucker had a bad year whatsoever. I think a lot of people just viewed the other nominees as contributing more to their teams and having more standout years as rookies. It was Ethan Rawl, uh, Will Bowen, and Mike Sisselberger, who were also nominated. Um, 
I mean, you couldn't go wrong. This is one of those that, like, if any of them won, it was like, you can make the argument, you can understand it. I think a lot of people were just like, wow, Tucker Dordovic won. It was kind of surprising. Yep. Defender of the year. Finally getting his flowers. Garrett Apple wins Defender of the Year. I know a lot of people online were hashtag mad. Very. Because Graham Hasek didn't allow a single point to be scored on him this year. People don't dodge towards Graham Hasek. But I think when you look at the numbers this year, Graham had a phenomenal year. But leaps and bounds in almost every statistical category it breaks down that Garrett Eppel was the defender of the year. Caused turnovers, ground balls. Like, that plays in the eyes of the PLL. That plays in the eyes of coaches, of teammates, of opposing players. Like, people see that, and, you know, Nat has talked about it a ton whenever it's brought up to him, mostly by you. Um, you know, every year he thinks Garrett Eppel should be at least nominated for defender of the year. Finally wins one. The floor is yours. I know this is something you have been hand and fist waiting for it to happen. Um, but, I mean, this was another one that between Garrett Apple, between uh, Graham Hasek, Jack Rowlett, shout out to the boy, and Jack Kilty, you couldn't go wrong with any of those four. And if another one of their faces was here in front of me, it wouldn't have shocked me. No, not at all. And, and the thing about Garrett this year – is more about his attitude. He's completely changed, you know, the way he plays the game, and and he's trying to get people to understand um, that he isn't quite the same player that he used to be after everything that happened with Gaudet and what was that, 2020? During yeah, it was the, in the bubble. Ch- the bubble, yeah. Um, that was kind of the flip of the switch for him where he's like, okay, like, I can't keep playing like this. I have to be the player that I that I really am. And he's shown that the last three years where he's literally just dominated on that side of the field. Um, they don't have any concerns about putting him anywhere on the field or guarding anyone. He is a ground ball vacuum. He always – he's led the league in cost turnovers the last four years, five years. Like, it consistently leads the league in cost turnovers. He's always in the right spot. And there's something about – the quarterback of your defense and the leader of your team speaking highly of you when and you can hear Garrett Apple like I heard um Glaze we mm-hmm. hear Glaze even if he's not mic'd up we hear him communicating with the entire defense Garrett Apple is the one person he does not talk to yeah he doesn't have to say a word to Garrett because Garrett knows his job and he does it and that's it and he and he trusts that Garrett's going to do his job and doesn't need help and, and will handle everything behind Garrett. That says a lot, especially with a team that tries not to switch and tries to handle a lot one-on-one because they don't necessarily have the best short sticks in the league. He does a great job of following up. And when he slides, he slides big. That's, that's huge to me. You can ask every single one of my high school or, or travel players, when we slide – we use body, and I don't care if you pick up a penalty. I don't care if it's late. If they shoot, you hit them. They have to know that when you come in here, it's going to hurt. You want to try and score right here, you're going to pay for it. And mm-hmm. he's one of those players that makes you pay 
no matter where on the field you're shooting. But if you're going to be inside, you're definitely going to feel it. Your attackman of the year led the league in points with 44 back-to-back years. The Cannons have the league leader in points, and they finish with 44 regular season points. The one and only number one, Marcus Holman. This was another one of those awards that, if you told me any of the four nominees won, wouldn't have shocked me between Marcus, Asher Nolting, Connor Fields, Ryder Garnsey. Um, this actually might come as a surprise, but I think Ryder would have surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, he did start Super very, hot. very hot. Basically MVP, and then had a huge drop yeah. drop down. So I would have been, like, surprised. Like, not, like, overly surprised, but I'm like, oh, okay, so, like, the start of the season was enough mm-hmm. for people to say give it to him. But other than that, like, across the board, I thought it was really good group. Um, I personally thought Asher kind of – I would have given it to Asher because I feel like he had a better season. When you look at comparison, like Marcus Holman has been doing what he did this year for so long. Asher had an okay season last year and then bursted out of the gates this year. Which is year. why we it need a most improved player and a comeback player of the year award. I agree oh, wholeheartedly. And I would give Asher most improved in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. And like it wasn't like he had a bad season last year, but he took such a jump this year that it would be impossible to ignore. 100%. And I'm looking to see something about Marcus's PLL career, just stats wise. If this was definitely his highest, the highest, yeah, yeah. So this was the most points he scored in a PLL season, and most points in his pro career he scored since 2018 with the Ohio Machine, when he scored 48 points in 12 games. He scored 44 in 10 games. So you prorate that two more games, he's probably hitting a 50 burger, and then some, and probably having close to his 2016 numbers with the Ohio machine in 14 games, he scored 58 points. Crazy. Um, super happy for Marcus. Like he had one of those years where like with the archers, obviously was phenomenal. Like 32 points in 2019, seven in the bubble in six games. And was like, wow, what happened to Marcus Holman? Then bounces back in 2021. Talk about comeback player of the year. 24 points in nine games, 29 points in his final season with the Archers, and then 44 points this year. Like, finally, like, I think out of the little bubble that everybody put he and Will Manny in, it's like they're a tandem. They have to work together. Marcus really got to play freely and utilized his strengths really well this year. Um, And it was so, it was just so much fun watching Marcus and Asher, you know, this year together on that same team. Connor Fields, same thing, like having his coming out party this year with almost 40 points in the regular season. He'll hit 40 for the the entire year because it would stun everybody on planet Earth if Connor Fields doesn't get a singular point uh, in the semifinals for the Archers. But uh, congratulations to Marcus. Very well deserved. Uh, Your attackman of the year. Your goalie of the year. Run it back. Kind of a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. Not in the sense that he had a bad season. He was easily like 1A. Blaze Reardon, your goalie of the year. Shout out to the boy. First of the award winners here that are hashtag OTB certified. Um, obviously, Blaze 
Fastest goalie to 900 career saves hits that mark this year. Had a phenomenal year once again. Um, I think a lot of people were just surprised because of the year that Brett Dobson had that Brett Dobson would have ended up winning the goalie of the year and I think rightfully deserved for both of them. Like You could have said both of these guys are your co-goalie of the year and it wouldn't have surprised us. Um, very happy for Blaze. Obviously, he's been a homie and has supported myself you know from the moment he so- he joined the wings and then obviously this pod since the beginning um but it was kind of surprising to see blaze get the nod over dauber and dauber had a lot of statistical jumps over blaze this year just at the end of the year i think dauber finished with the best uh goals against average his save percentage was true to roof and um really shined in his first full season starting that I think a lot of people would have been like, yeah, Brett Thompson's your goalie of the year. I think it just came down to Blaze having still a very good year, Um, you know, saving at a high percentage like he always does, getting the ball out in transition, being the highest scoring goalie in history, plus winning the goalie competition. I think kind of all of the extracurriculars outside of, gameplay outside of statistics is what got him that like the dauber was great but his clearing was kind of basic you know like he he didn't have many assists he wasn't getting it out super fast and up the field it was more of just hey we're going to run through our system and clear which is fine there's no problems with that because it worked but like it's almost kind of a hindrance when you have a guy going for a couple assists a year he wins the goalie competition played in in um the worlds and won a gold medal like those kind of things kind of hold you back if you aren't doing the same yeah shout out to the boy shout out to dauber too a a phenomenal year for both of those guys um your face-off athlete of the year to no surprise i think obviously sets the the record if i'm not mistaken um for face-off percentage this year the now former mvp but continues to be face-off athlete of the year. The boy, OTB certified, soon to be, but has been supportive of us and has been a homie since day one, Trevor Baptiste. No there's, notes. There's yeah. There's n- He left really no crumbs. He ate all year long and just was a, a joy to watch in a new challenge that – he, Nick Rowlett, Sisselberger, and TD had to take on this year as kind of your true face-off guys Petey. that played, and Petey LaSala, um, that played every single game this year too. And Trevor, again, continued to rise to the occasion and stood above the rest. Um, I don't think I know the last time a face-off guy had a hat trick in a game. I don't know if it ever happened. Like, seriously. That, that, I mean, you know, it's happened in some college and high school. You know, I've seen it. Trust me, I've seen and it. And this is where <laughs> face-off athletes have to step their game up. If you want to be on a roster, you have to do what Trevor does. You have to be an athlete. Not exactly. A, not a FOGO. You have to be a face-off athlete. You Big have to do what now. Trevor does. You have to do what TD is able to do. You have to do, when he gets back healthy, Joe Nardella, we've seen do in the past. Um, Sis did a great we job saw Sis do it this year. this year scoring goals. 
you have to be able to elevate your game and be multidimensional at that position if you want to stay on a game day roster. Um, and I mean, I think Petey had a good year, but he like didn't tap into like what he had at Virginia. Like he wasn't winning a lot forward. He wasn't pushing in transition much. He was kind of win it back, move it to a midi as quick as possible, which like I get, but kind of if he's going to fight for a spot against Joe and like he's going to be an impact player, he's going to have to tap back into a little bit of that Virginia self that he had down there and, and push the, the ball and transition off some wins. And I know it wasn't nominated for the award because it was Trevor, Sis, and TD, but shout out Pete, two perfect games this year. Yeah, which is crazy. Even if it was against Preven, he was going backward most of the time. Like, perfect is perfect. Yeah. He didn't leave a loose ball right in the middle for a guy to get a check on and make it dirty. Like, he won it clean back and and moved it on. Your short stick D-Mitty of the year. The boy. The homie. Mr. Pineapple Express himself. Latrell. Treasy. Harris wins NLL Defensive Player of the Year to then go and win Short Stick D-Midi of the Year, the PLL, at the age of 25. An unbelievable just year of lacrosse for Treasy. He elevated his game like no other, stepped into a role where the archers were known for having, you know, those veterans at the Short Stick D-Midi position. Obviously, Dominique retires. Mark McNeil is sent to the player pool after week one. Treasy, here's the keys to the short stick D midi room with two rookies and took his game to another level. He was a thrill to watch this year, and I couldn't be happier for somebody to win an award because it was so deserved than Latrell Harris. Oh, absolutely. Like, Bubba Fairman had a fantastic year. I mean, was the only – short stick D mid in the top like 10 or 12 or something. He was top 10. I think he was number five, honestly. Yeah. He was like three or four, maybe five in terms of cost turnovers. And he did that as a short stick, but he got dodged on a bunch. And I think that's kind of what held him back. Even behind Zach Goodrich, who was Mm -hmm. also in in this um, finalist group is Goodrich didn't get dodged on as much as Bubba Fairman did, and Treasy didn't get dodged on as much as either one of them, which really shows kind of how much he he factored in. But, you know, he pushed transition. He was smart, led, led the rookies, showed how to do it by example, very vocal, brought energy. He did all of the right things. He just translated that energy that he had going with the Toronto Rock in the winter, brought it over to the PLL. Another guy that wasn't in the finalist group, but kind of got the Graham Hasek treatment um, was Danny Logan. He like he literally like didn't get dodged on, and like not like to the point to where like teams did it once or twice. It was like once or twice the whole year. Mm-hmm. He like did not get dodged on. Teams were purposely dodging on poles and and other short sticks to avoid Danny Logan. It's like that's a guy that deserves this award, but at the same time. Nothing against the three who were awarded, and definitely nothing against Treasy, who had a, a top-notch year, and he's only going to get better, which mm-hmm. is the crazy part. Like you said, he's 25. He's young. He's only going to go up. Hasn't even technically reached his athletic prime as as a man yet. So, Treasy straps. I mean, that's exciting for not only the Archers but for Toronto too. Like mm-hmm. he's 
moving into the best part of his years as an athlete and is already playing at an extremely high level. And he's smart. Like that's the best thing is having a guy in the transition game in both of these sports that knows the game and then has the energy to to want to play with his best foot forward at all times. One of the awards that you just can't be mad with whoever wins it, the Sportsmanship Award, Zeddy Ball Game, Zed Williams. I mean, Zed takes the game super seriously and is always one of the best sports in the entire league. Can't be mad with whoever ended up winning the Sportsmanship Award um, in any year. You can't be mad about it. Um, you know, the nominees were uh, Mark Lassini, Zed, and Eric Law, three extremely deserving guys. And shout out to Zed Williams. You, you can't argue with Zeddy Ballgame winning a sportsmanship award. No, I absolutely love this, actually. Um, the one thing that I like about Zeddy Ballgame is how much love he pours into mm. the game. Um, you can see it in the way he plays and the passion he plays with and, and how stoic he is. But also, he he kisses a stick after every goal. But if you really pay attention to Zed Williams, it's not just after every goal. It's before the game. It's in the middle of the game. He was accepting think- the 2020 Championship Series MVP trophy with a stick in hand. Yeah, and and I think I remember. It, I remember this year. I can't remember exactly who, but there was a game where he scored one goal or had like an assist or something, and like that was it. But the entire game, every time he took a shot and he missed, he just kissed his stick. He was like, and it seemed like he was just telling himself and his stick, like next one's gonna go in. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of just that mentality of this is all about love. This is all about medicine and care like we're just here to have fun and enjoy the game and and grow in this in this loving sport and that's just how he always plays and that's the thing he puts forward and kids are starting to do it too i saw some of my summer kids this year like bend down and kiss their stick and i was like what is going on like i love the fact that that is one of the things that kids are taking from zed williams and not him thumbing the ball (laughs) another one of the awards you can't be mad at whoever ended up winning the Wells Crowther Humanitarian Award goes to Eric Law for everything he does with Denver City Lacks. And it was Eric Law, Romar Dennis, Trevor Baptiste, all nominated, all doing phenomenal things off the field. Shout out to E-Law. You know, all three of those guys, extremely deserving. Um, not not a lot of notes to, to say about the Humanitarian Award, um, but shout out to those three guys and shout out to Eric Law for uh, taking home that award. Let's get to what the most controversial one is, I think, amongst the the lacrosse world. You're either on one side of the fence or the other with this one. And it's not to knock the winner of this award, who I think, <laughs> give it time, it's going to be named after him. Your Brody Merrill, long stick midfielder of the year. For a fifth consecutive season. Goes to Michael Earhart. Of the Whip Snakes. Let me preface this. Michael Earhart has grown on me as the years have gone on. He has become in, in a different vein. But a similar vein of growth to Garrett Apple. 
where he's gotten more personable. He's gotten a lot more uh, fun to talk to and a lot more approachable. I mean, he's a dog. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the best LSM on the on the planet right now. But when you miss a couple games to injury, and that's no fault of your own. Injuries happen. But then you have somebody else who I think a lot of people thought could dethrone Michael Earhart this year in Ethan Rawl. Step up in the way that Ethan Rawl did for the Cannons this year in so many different ways. You have somebody like Troy Ray, who had a phenomenal year this year. I'm just shocked that it almost feels auto-generated. Jared Connors as well had a great year for the Archers. I'm just shocked that it feels like you plug this into just a an auto-generator and it's like, oh, here's Michael Earhart wins it. Not saying Earhart doesn't deserve to be recognized for the award, but it is one of those things where it's like, is anybody else ever going to win this? Like the seasons that Troy and Ethan Rawl in particular had this year, and this is no slight to Jared Connors either, but those two in particular really stood out to me, to you, to a lot of people. We talked about Ethan Rawl and Troy Ray a ton, both on and off pod. I mean, just from the perspective of the goal-scoring ability, Ethan Rawl scored the only shorthanded goal in the PLL this season. Not that that should justify winning an award, but, like, that's crazy. And the way Ethan Rawl played this year, I'm stunned he didn't win. The way Troy Ray played this year, I'm stunned he didn't win. And I hate the saying that availability is the best ability because it's it's a lame saying it's just like being a veil is not an ability um <laughs> come on context people um <laughs> troy ray and ethan Rowe played in every game and performed in every game that they were in especially troy because i forget when ethan signed with the cans i don't know if he played week one but nonetheless like i don't know i don't know if it's just like fatigue of like oh we can just Sharpie marker in Michael Earhart as your LSM of the year every single year. Like it almost gets like just like why why is there a vote for LSM of the year at this point? It what we're going through right now with this LSM award and all the Discord is exactly why LeBron James hasn't won every MVP since two thousand three. Is LeBron James the MVP of the NBA every year? Absolutely. There isn't a team that crashes and burns worse than a year after LeBron leaves it. There's no person more valuable to a basketball team than LeBron James. And that's kind of where we're headed with Earhart. Like, don't get me wrong. He's extremely valuable and, and completely changes the game as an LSM. And the whips play differently when he's not there. Mm-hmm. 
and we have the utmost respect for Michael Earhart. Like this is not like so much the Earhart bash hour. Like absolutely not. Even like looking back in Fate of the Sport and like everything going on in the bubble with the patches, he was like one of the main guys who stood up and was like, "Why are guys acting like this? Like I don't understand. It's not a big deal. Put the patch on and move on." Like even if you don't agree with it, like it's it's a bigger it's bigger than you. Like. So I have a ton of respect for just who he is as a person, but just kind of, like kind of just handing an award to a guy because we know he deserves it, air quotes, is redundant and it, and it ruins what the award means and it turns a lot of people away because they're like, that we don't want to see the same person dominate all the time. Like another reason why like Blaze getting the award was a surprise. Like it's kind of like. Yes, is Blaze the best goalie on the planet? Yes, but like, also if somebody else has a really good season, acknowledge that, give them the recognition, and give the average person who might be viewing in a reason to cling to a guy, because like, that's what's gonna happen. Is like, no other LSM is gonna be comparable to Michael Earhart because any average person that's looking looks at accolades. They look. That's like that's it. Everything is about accolades and stats and, and championships. He has a ton of that. Like, give other guys a fighting chance in the debate by, like, rewarding them when they deserve it. Not saying Mike doesn't deserve it, but, man, Ethan and Troy had amazing years this year. There's no way one of those guys doesn't deserve to add so some did Jared. hardware. Yeah, Jared, Jared too. Was... Like, it, it, one of those guys deserved to add some hardware to their trophy case at home. Your midfielder of the year couldn't go wrong with any of the three nominees here as well, uh, but it does go to Captain America, Tom Schreiber. I mean, it speaks for itself. Tom had a phenomenal year this year for the Archers. Multiple game-winning goals, game-winning opportunities for the Archers this year and just played a phenomenal position of midfield that you can't there, there's no notes with with the way tom schreiber played especially this year um he was so much fun to watch he always is and uh couldn't be happier for him i mean leaps and bounds better than everybody at the midfield position this year just the way he led the offense and he got what he wanted when he wanted it he was extremely patient and Anytime it was out in the field, it was all eyes on Tom Shriver, and, and he made it look easy. If you're going to overplay me, okay, got a cutter here, he's going to score. All right, you back up a little bit, I'll take this too. And he he just played the played it so effortlessly and, and was just like, I'll take what the defense gives me and made the game easy. He didn't try and overcomplicate it, and he used everybody around him. Um which I thought was was very impressive and was quick to hand out the kudos to everybody else. That's a big thing with me and, like, star players is how do you bring forth everybody else that's mm -hmm. involved and, and how do you, you know, give them their kudos and say, like, yeah, I'm playing well, yeah, I'm doing well, and, and I'm being the beneficiary. But in all actuality, if this guy doesn't cut hard and, and this guy doesn't set me a pick or – this guy doesn't occupy his matchup, I'm not going to be successful. And he does all of those things. And your leadership award winner also 
Captain America, Tom Schreiber. Again, one of those awards that you can't go wrong with anyone who was nominated. Um, Tom's leadership this year was talked about by not only Chris Bates, but his teammates, whoever joined him at the podium after every single game. Um, it spoke for itself the way that Tom stepped up um, in the post-Bunk Bed Boys era of the Archers and, and kind of has become the true face of the Archers as a franchise. Um, where, you know, the Bunk Bed Boys will always be remembered for what they did with the Archers. Grant's going to be there for a long time. Mac O'Keefe joins in this year, but Tom Schreiber, when it's all said and done, like that art, he's going to have like ha at least half an archer's hat on <laughs> in the hall of fame. Uh, you know, when, when he is a unanimous first ballot hall of famer at the end of the day, he's the face of the archers very much. So like, you know, how Matt Rambo has kind of become the face of the whip snakes. And, you know, you see guys who, have been with their PLL teams for the entirety of their PLL career. Tom Schreiber has been that guy. He was the face of the team year one. He's been the face of the team ever since and really took on that leadership role both on and off the field this year. Uh, so, again, couldn't be happier for Tom. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I just said about him being midfielder of the year swoops over into this leadership. My My biggest thing with this was – um, I personally felt this deserved to go to Tucker. Um, it It's very hard to be a captain year after year, especially in a league like this where you have so much changeover every season with guys moving around, being you know not available or available with jobs and everything um, in play because like, you don't get a lot of time to showcase why you should or shouldn't be in the lineup. And then bringing in so many rookies and new guys into the squad, holding their composure through a 2-8 and eight season after being, you know, the second seed last year and, you know, getting into the playoffs, getting into the championship series, returning a lot of those guys and thinking that they were going to be back in the position they were last year and then struggle. But also the confidence he gave to Brett Maker and Gavin Adler. They felt like they were on top of the world and could guard anybody in the league. And even though they didn't have necessarily the season that a lot of people thought that they would, mm -hmm. they played well. And that's partially due to how well Tucker led them and how well he made them feel like, hey, don't be scared. Just come out here and play. You are good. You got drafted where you got drafted because you deserve to be drafted there. Just come out and show it. So just his leadership on – you know, in, in that standpoint, and then, you know, you, I just compared it really to Chrome. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were basically in the same position. Chrome was the three seed last year, and they also had a really bad year this year. And no slight to Jordan McIntosh, but he just didn't quite do the job that Tucker did in keeping this team composed and keeping them from spiraling. Like, Chrome kind of just spiraled throughout the year, and, like, it just kept getting worse rather than getting better, where there were a lot of times this year where you can point back to Atlas games where it's like, Dude, if they didn't make one, two, and three mental mistakes, they win games. They lost so many games by one, two, or three goals that are like, dude, that's a win if you just clean it up. Whereas there weren't many games, if any at all, really, in the Chrome losses that looked like that. So that says a lot just about how Tucker was able to keep this team in a position to compete week in and week out 
even though they weren't necessarily having the season they wanted. Your teammate of the year, this is the most impressive award winner, in my opinion. Rookie, Cole Kirst. Um, again, one of those awards that you can't go wrong with anyone nominated, but for a rookie to come in, and from the moment he was on a game day roster, you saw just a shift in energy. You saw a shift in purpose and you saw a shift in mentality anytime Cole Curse was in the lineup and whenever he was out of the lineup it was a different mindset for the Redwoods you talk to anybody post game about Cole Curse whether it's Nat Eddie Glazer whoever it may be and we got the opportunity to talk to both of his brothers after the game and get their opinion as well on their younger brother being nominated this is so cool to see a rookie come in and have that much of an impact as a teammate and be a big team guy like Cole Kirst was this year is so impressive. And it was a pick that was criticized to the nines on draft night. We were on our draft show through the roof, excited about the pick. You and I were like, dancing through the streets because we knew how impactful of a player Cole Kirst could be just skill-wise for the Redwoods roster. The fact that he stepped up in this way as well as his play on the field, you know, anytime the ball's in his stick, it's going in the back of the net nine times out of ten. But the fact that he stepped up and has been this impactful as a teammate just shows you the type of person he is. And that's the the cool part of this. And Cole, we need more Cole Curse in the league. The people, well, first off, we just need more Curse in the league. They well, they're I coming. Think, Shout out Deion Sanders. They're you know, coming. Nat, <laughs> Nat, <laughs> the Louis luggage is on the way. <laughs> you the know. cursed luggage is on the way. Nat said it perfectly, though. He was like, their whole family just does it right. And, like, he's not wrong. They just play very good lacrosse, very good people, great teammates, embody the, the medicine and, and, and the come-together part of lacrosse. So I love that. And, and people are probably going to be so tired of hearing this. But my time in the Dome this year watching Syracuse play Notre Dame was fantastic. Every time they needed something, every time the team needed energy – or anything he made the play and then he got everybody involved in the energy wise being excited jumping up celebrating the way we've seen him doing the pll mob mob bench celebrations at cuse like all of that was him so i knew exactly what he was bringing in when he got drafted like this was we always say that there's a steal of the draft every year and this was probably it and that's hard to say because he's so good. Such a good draft. But then, too. you know, you also look at, like, Piper Bond and Chris Mayer. Mm-hmm. Like, they were all so steals. Like but, like, this is probably the true steal. When you look at the way he's played, the energy he brings to the team, the type of person that he is. I, I Obviously, this game is no surprise to us. But now a lot of people are seeing why Nat took, you know, the gamble, air quotes around that, that he took to go ahead and take Curse when he did. I just have to say. All the curse that are in the league that we've gotten, obviously, the opportunity to talk to all of them, they're just so nice. 
they're such nice dudes. Like, I, uh, that that's the word. They are so nice, and that is just I'm so happy for Cole and the entire Curse family. Like, it's just so cool to see a rookie win the teammate of the award, teammate of the year award. Um, shout out to Cole Kirst. The Coach of the Year Award comes as no surprise in our book. And this is no slight to a big-time homie and a friend of the program, Andy Towers and Chris Bates. But Brian Holman, your Coach of the Year. And I knew something was special about Coach Holman from the moment we got to sit down with him right before we left for Albany when they had the the preseason kind of round table with the coaches. And I knew something with him was different than what we have experienced with any other coach. And then being around Coach Holman all season, both via Zoom press conferences and then in person, and especially in person, his energy and his just overall demeanor is so infectious and you can walk in a room with coach Holman and you will immediately have a smile on your face. You can tell why these guys on this cannons roster love playing for him. He is such a good coach, a great leader and just so much fun. Like anytime post game after a cannons game happened this year, win or lose, we were always excited as a collective media group, and I know I'm speaking for a lot of people, but I think I speak properly when I say this. We were always excited to hear what Coach Holman had to say because he, from one minute, can go to thanking the good Lord to dropping F-bombs. And everything in between those two extremes is on the table for him as well. He's so much fun to just listen to and hear everything he has to say about how he dissects the game, how family-oriented he is, and that shows on the field with this group. It shows from their their camaraderie in the locker room. It was a no-brainer, in my opinion, that Brian Holman was the coach of the year. To take a 1-9 Cannons team to 7-3, and three, have the entire Lyle Thompson situation happen where Lyle, you know, takes the sabbatical year. So you're going into the year without your quote unquote best player on the roster at the time. And then having these guys just come together as a team and finally seeing the Cannons Lacrosse Club play as a team for the first time in their PLL existence was such a treat. Couldn't be happier for Coach Holman. Yeah, I mean, I was ecstatic when he won this award and just you know I go back all the way to Albany and getting my first chance to meet and talk with him and asking him you know how it felt to coach in the PLL for the first time and you know what were his feelings and everything and he just immediately directed everything to the guys and it all it was like that the entire year and just the persona of I'm happy to be here and the guys are playing great. They're the ones that deserve all the recognition and and just the selflessness that he plays with, but also the love and or that he coaches with, the love and care that he has for the game. It, it really stood out this year, and, and he turned a team around that 
I wouldn't say turned them around because I don't think they played bad last year. I think they were very similar to Atlas this year where they just, like, couldn't get it done in a lot of very close it scenarios. It was just, like, a lot of individuals. Yeah, they needed a new culture to come in, and that's what he brought. And he did a fantastic job of just saying, come, be relaxed, play, here's your role, and do it well because that's what you're good at. He just put all he put all his players in the best possible situation and made sure to give everybody flowers when they deserved it. And it shows when you have two guys nominated for MVP, two guys nominated for Attackman of the Year, you know, a Defenseman of the Year nominee. You have an undrafted rookie nominated for Rookie of the Year and LSM of the Year, like two short stick D midi nominees. Like, couldn't be happier for Cole Holman. Like, and I think it's one of those things that. If you're just a fan of the league, the league is better when the cannons are good. It's one of those things. Like there are certain teams in certain leagues that that league is better when X team is good. Pro lacrosse, pro field lacrosse is good and better when the cannons are good. Um, so it's exciting that they're going to get a, a shot to, you know, play in Boston, play at Gillette. Uh, in the playoffs with the year that they had. It's going to be very exciting. Looking forward to that crowd, and that game's on ESPN2. Um, your MVP, none other than Captain America, Tom Schreiber. Self-explanatory again. Like, I mean, Tom, and no slight to any of the other nominees, Tom just had a year that stood out more so than any year he's had in the past. He was on the best team in the league, and not that that's a determining factor in my opinion or DJ's opinion for who should win MVP, but I think if you take Tom Schreiber off of this Archers roster, they are a completely different team. They are not 8-2. They are not the number one team, the number one seed. And a lot changes culturally for them without Tom Schreiber on that team. And DJ and I are very calculated in the word valuable. And not that Trevor or Blaze or Asher or Marcus were not valuable to their respective teams. But I think if you take Marcus off of that roster, somebody else is stepping up in Marcus's shoes, whether that's Asher Cav, Ryan Drenner, they they had guys who can fill in for a Marcus Holman and, you know, vice versa. You take Asher off that roster, are the Cannons the same? No. But there's going to be guys on that roster that can step up. You take Blaze off the chaos, obviously they're a different team. Goalie's a different situation in a lot of instances. But Austin Cout has been a pro lacrosse goalie for years, has started in this league, and can play a solid goalie position that can win you games. Trevor Baptiste, obviously the reigning MVP, statistically better year than he had last year. But in the year that we had collectively with the faceoff position, if you take Trevor off of Atlas a team who went 2-8 and eight this year. How much more value can you put into Trevor's position? I think 
Tom Schreiber coming off the archers, it's a no-brainer and couldn't be happier for Tom to truly get his flowers this year in a lot of aspects from MVP to midfielder to leadership award. He deserves every single one. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, like it, It's tough when you look at a guy dominate like this throughout the year to where he is up for so many awards and then he turns around and wins them all. But when you put up 46 points in a year, everybody's leading behind you. You're the talk of the league. And, you know, you go in eight and two. Like, it's hard not to give you the award. And you hit it right on, you know, you hit the head right on the nail. (laughs) Hit the nail right on the head when you brought up, you know, his impact on the game in terms of if you take him away and you take away some of the other players on their respective teams, he has a much bigger impact not being there. This team doesn't necessarily get 46 points from everywhere else, but everybody else can kind of be replaced outside of maybe Trevor. Trevor is probably the closest one really in this battle of being valuable to his team. He gave them so many offensive possessions. He scored the ball. He put them in very good situations. They just didn't necessarily capitalize off of it. If you take him away, maybe – we're talking about Atlas having the number one pick again mm-hmm. and being the worst team in the league because they just simply didn't have the ball enough. So definitely um, well-deserved by anyone who would have gotten it. But when you truly look at what valuable means, Tom Schreiber was that for the Archers this year. And it's tough, too, when you have two guys from the same team nominated. Those votes get split, and it's tough to kind of determine that. But Shout-out to all the award nominees, all the award winners, um, everybody well-deserved and uh, couldn't be happier for every single person there. Deej, it's postseason time. It's playoff time. Let's get into it. It is the PLL quarterfinals preview brought to you by our pals over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can download the all-new Tomahawk Shades app. And just for downloading the app, you can claim a free pair of sunglasses. Who doesn't like free? Uh, Go into the Tomahawk Shades app, peruse everything they have from sunglasses to blue light glasses, prescription lenses. You can also do it at TomahawkShades.com. And when you go to check out, use promo code USP for 25% off your order. That's TomahawkShades.com or the Tomahawk Shades app in the App Store or Google Play. And use code USP for 25% off your order. Three games to determine who moves on to Long Island. We start at 11.45 a.m. Eastern Time with the OTB. We just hope everybody has fun bowl, chaos, and Redwoods. Then we have a fun rematch, a fun matchup that we have every year. Whip Snakes, Water Dogs. 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time and then at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2 potentially looking ahead to the future Atlas and Cannons in Boston Deej give me three things that you're looking forward to from Chaos Redwoods from Whip Snakes, Water Dogs, and Atlas Cannons. We'll start with the before noon game, 
Chaos Redwoods. Give me three things you're looking forward to. Wow. Um, three makes it extremely hard. Um, but shout out to Woods beat writer uh, Jerome Taylor. Going to make this extremely easy for me as well. Um, he did write a little bit about some things you could you should look out for. Number one for me is definitely going to be Ryder versus Jared. Jared's been phenomenal this year at holding defenders, including Ryder, to a very low shooting percentage, being physical with Ryder. Um, but you can never, ever count on Ryder just giving up and not going at it over and over, over and over and being aggressive and looking to score. So that battle is going to be ex- extremely exciting to watch. Then on the flip side of that, the other left side attackman, Josh Byrne going against Defensive Player of the Year Garrett Apple is obviously going to be super exciting to watch. And then it comes down to the middle of the field. Um, the Woods have to win the transition game. And in this, if they're going to let guys like Troy Ray, CJ Costabile, um, Patrick Rush, Ian McKay get into that transition role and push and do things, it's going to be scary. Because if they start to do it, then Jared Newman's going to think he can do it. And if you got that guy throwing around Newman nukes, it's going to be a long day for Jack Kelly. That's a spicy meatball. Long day for Jack Kelly. But, I, I mean, I, I think the Woods – I'll get into that later. But, I, I truly, those are the three things. And I guess if I had to throw in an honorable mention, um, I can't leave out the boy, Jack Jack. Um, seeing him go against Rob again this year is going to be fantastic. They go at it, you know, in terms of brute strength, athleticism, and and just pure skill and ability. Jack kind of has Rob beat at this point. But Rob is so tactical, so smart, so IQ savvy when it comes to the game that he outsmarts Jack from time to time. So just seeing them battle is also uh, on my bingo card. My number one thing, well, I should say my first thing, um, is Brian Tevlin. Brian Tevlin is going to have his kind of welcome to the league moment in a playoff atmosphere. Nakai Montgomery's out this week, and Nakai has been easily the Redwoods' best two-way midi this year in terms of just, you know, everything with the shot clock and, and Nakai's just, like, electricity that he brings on the field. Brian Tevlin is going to have to step up and be the Redwoods' version of Ian McKay in this game if the Redwoods want to advance to Long Island. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Brian Tevlin steps up and how this coaching staff kind of schemes him to be at his best and put him in positions to be successful with Nakai out in this game. My next thing I'm looking forward to is the matchup that everybody should always be watching in this game. It's Ryder Garnsey versus Blaze Reardon. For whatever reason, Ryder has had the most success of any player in PLL history against Blaze Reardon. It's a matchup everyone should be watching. See how those two go toe-to-toe with each other. I know it's it's weird to think about just a singular attackman going up against a goalie, not a defenseman, but Ryder is that dude, and he's the one that has the keys to Blaze's castle. I'm excited for that matchup. Full send. I always am when these two teams meet up. And then the next thing I'm looking forward to is seeing if Westberg's hat trick streak can continue. He has had hat tricks in, I think, four straight games. It was all on the West Coast. Can he come back east and channel his uh, Pacific Northwest roots and uh, keep the hat trick streak going? 
I think Westberg is such an X factor in this game, having played with Chaos, so he's practiced against Blaze. He's obviously, you know, gotten a chance to to be around him a ton and, and has played against him in years past. I think that's such a huge component if the Redwoods want to win. It's going to be Westberg as your player to watch and how Wes is able to utilize his skill sets in this game, which all boils down to Rob versus Jack. Yeah, absolutely. This game is going to be star-studded on both sides. Um, and there is a very good possibility Westberg continues that hat trick um, streak he has going because if you recall, he had an absolutely phenomenal week one which was on the East Coast. So it does not matter where Westberg is playing. If he gets open in the middle, he can find the back of the net very easily. I wonder how Westberg would play in Alaska. Uh, Whip Snakes. I'll bring him out there with me. <laughs> Whip Snakes and Water Dogs. I'll start off with my things I'm looking forward to. It's a battle of the co two bomb kings. Tucker Jordovic, Connor Kelly finished tied for first in two bombs this year. If there was ever a game to bet the over responsibly for two-pointers, it's this game. These two teams shoot the two unlike any other. That is going to be, I think, an X factor and a determining factor of who wins this game is who can sink more two-point shots. My next thing I'm looking forward to, not that I ever want to see a homie of the program get beat, but if Eli Gobrek does the DB celebration <laughs> after getting beat, I will piss my pants a full send. I'm looking forward. If Eli does that, it is it is over. It's Jover. It's a wrap. Vince Carter gif. It's over. Eli, for the love of Christ, please just do it once. Just once. Um, and then my next takeaway is just the goalie battle in this one. Obviously, a great goalie matchup. Kyle Burnlor getting back just in time for the playoffs. He played in Salt Lake. Looked good, uh, you know, in the time, you know, coming off a, a massive injury for him. I thought he looked pretty damn good facing a very high-octane Cannons team. Um but Kyle Burnlor and Dylan Ward going toe-to-toe um, is going to be very exciting and seeing which defense in front of their respective goalie can can step up. And I think these two teams still have some of the best defensive units in the league. So that's what I'm looking forward to in this one. Deej, you're three for Whips Water Dogs. Oh, wow. Um this the first one is is very broad, but one that I like as a whole is how is this Water Dogs defense going to stop Whip Snake's offense? Um, they have a ton of options. Brad Smith's playing at a high level. Chanichuk has been helpful all year. They have Rookie of the Year Tucker Dordovic, and then you know they got Jackson Moreau coming over now. Their attack unit has been great with Zed, Will, and and Rambo. Um, so that'll be you know one key. And then secondly, just staying on kind of that same side is how will, you know, how will the attack lineup actually look? Are they going to leave Jackson Murill at X, which I think they should do. But then, you know, who's coming out of the box? Is it Zed? Is it Will? Um, 
how are they going to use Rambo and Jackson in, you know, two-man game or just, you know, how do they facilitate the offense down on that end with the changes that they could possibly make. And then third is face-off. Um, how often are they putting Zach Courier out there to try and mess with um, Petey LaSala? How often are they electing to, you know um, – Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word? How often are they looking to rake right mm-hmm. on the face off? Or are they looking to just stand up and, and beat at PD right away? Kind of how are they going to play face off in the middle of the field, knowing that they're in that prevent style still? Yeah. Um, and before we get to the last matchup, we do have a fun plug. Um, Mark Cockerton emailed the boy this week. And um, for anybody that is in the Massachusetts area, specifically Weymouth, Massachusetts, if you're in that general vicinity, not sure where that is in correlation to Boston or Foxborough, but um, the PLL is hosting a clinic in the Boston area uh, on September 16th, Saturday, September 16th. Um, so during the, the bye week in between semifinals and the finals um at union point sports at 170 memorial grove avenue in weymouth massachusetts saturday september 16th there is two sessions the first session from 10 a.m to 11 30 a.m is for first to fourth graders and then 11 30 a.m to 1 p.m is for fifth to eighth graders uh so that's first to fourth 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., 5th through 8th grade, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. The price is $99, uh, but we do have a discount code for you guys. You can get 15% off with code VMC. That's V as in Victor, M as in Mom, C as in Chip Skylark. <laughs> Screaming. 1515 and get 15% off that $99. The PLL pros that will be in attendance for this clinic, Mark Cockerton from Atlas Lacrosse Club, and Redwoods midfielder, Deej, let's let's salute the feeders. Charlie Bertrand will also be in attendance. Uh, so two PLL pros that you'll be able to have your kids um, work with, for an hour and a half I think it's an unbelievable experience and having been around Charlie and Mark throughout the years they're phenomenal dudes and to learn from them obviously both from UVA um Charlie obviously went there for his final year but UVA grads and um I think if you can take advantage of this opportunity I fully would uh we'll put the information uh, like the registration in the description for anybody interested. Um, so that is Saturday, September 16th, first through fourth graders, 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., fifth through eighth graders, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., and that's at Union Point Sports at 170 Memorial Grove Avenue in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Price is $99, and then you get 15% off with code VMC. 15. Shout out to Mark Cockerton for reaching out to the boys. Speaking of Mark Cockerton, let's talk about 
Atlas and Cannons, the two teams he's played for in the PLL, uh, they face off at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Deej, what are you looking forward to in the 2v7 matchup? Uh, the rookies, number one for Chrome or for not, excuse me. Wow. Cannons, um, Colin Curse, Ethan Raw, Matt Campbell. Those guys have been off the charts this year for, for Cannons and have been a big help in how they've played uh, this year. So looking for them to continue that play and, and kind of, you know, get in their first taste at playoff ball in the PLL. It's going to be exciting to see those guys run around and, and get after it. Um, obviously, Trevor, what kind of impact he has in the game. Is he going to be looking to score and, and keep the ball on that offensive end as much as possible? And then, of course, probably the biggest question mark of them all heading into this game. And, like, everybody has their eyes on him and a lot of different rumors and stuff are coming about. Jeff T, how does he play? He did lead the league in assists this year, but is, he hasn't been very aggressive. There's been times where he's had short sticks and he's just decided not to dodge. And, and it's just not quite like him all the time. So what kind of Jeff T are we going to see on Monday? Is he going to dodge hard? Is he going to be looking to score? Is he going to be looking to continue kind of this passive play? Um, so, yeah, those are kind of the biggest things headmar headlining this game that really could, I don't want to say, could go either way, but realistically, outside of chaos last year, Atlas is the scariest 2-8 and eight team we've ever seen. I'm looking forward to... Mr. Kirst in his first postseason appearance as a goalie and seeing how he performs against this Atlas offense. Um, I'm looking forward to the, the coaching matchup. I think it's one of those things that, well, yes, Atlas went two and eight cannons went seven and three to have two rookie coaches facing off against each other in a postseason environment is going to be so much fun to watch just to see how they both approach their first playoff games as head coaches in the PLL in prime time. This game is on ESPN2, and you have two rookie coaches battling it out for an opportunity to go to the semifinals. How fun is that? And then the other thing from that is just like the chess match that you're going to have back and forth with your coaching staffs as a whole. Your assistant coaches are going to be just as important in this game as your head coaches are, and just being tactical and putting your players in the best positions to win. I'm very excited to see the coaching matchup chess match that we're going to have with Coach Holman and his staff versus Coach Pressler and his staff. And then the last thing I'm looking forward to is who's going to score more points. Will it be Marcus Holman or will it be Chris Gray? Those two have stood out time and time again for their respective teams this season, have put up monster numbers in games. The scoring Pong match, you know, think of Atari Pong back and forth between Chris Gray and Marcus Holman in this game, I think could be absolutely electric. Marcus is obviously looking for 50 points this season you know if you include the postseason he's six points away can he get to 50 in the quarterfinals that's going to be fun to watch can Asher Nolting get to 50 points come the playoffs that's going to be fun to watch Ryan Drenner
back in the playoffs for the first time in a couple years. He's always been a top-notch clutch performer. And on the Atlas side of things, Eric Law had one of his best, if not his best year statistically in the PLL. How does that carry over to the playoffs? Like you said, Trevor Baptiste, is he going to be scoring? Brian Costabile, is is this potentially his final game in an Atlas uniform? There's so many different aspects of this game to pay attention to that it's going to be so much fun. I'm glad it's in prime time. I'm so excited for this weekend. Um, There's so many different storylines to take away from every single game. But let's get to our picks. Let's cue the music, feed some ducks. It's the PLL quarterfinals, 2023 quarterfinals. Picks of the week brought to you by our pals keeping us energized this entire postseason run our friends over at dubby energy who are working on canned formulas as we speak dubby is clean energy there's no crash no jitters it's the only energy drink dj drinks because he doesn't get those crash or jitters it's all natural coffee fruit extract is where the caffeine comes from and above all else it just tastes delicious dj what flavor are you drinking right now the blue rise, baby. He's addicted to the big energy tears. Responsibly addicted, obviously. Yes, sir. Uh, and then I've got the beach and peach, which I've got the, the tub down here, which is uh mango white peach cooler, which is just absolutely delicious. Keeps those summertime vibes going. You guys can go to W.GG and use code underground for 10% off any and all orders. It's a super effective way to support everything we're doing. Dubby's going to keep our picks energized all postseason long. So go to Dubby.gg and use code underground for 10% off your order. Deej, we start at 11.45 a.m. Eastern time. The four versus the five. Chaos Redwoods. The We hope everybody just has fun bowl. Postseason edition. I mean... It doesn't get any better than that. No. Seeing the boys battle it out to punch a ticket to Long Island. How do you see things playing out between just the pals pals of Redwoods Chaos? Uh, this is probably the hardest game of the weekend to pick, truly. Um, both these teams coming in playing good lacrosse. They're so evenly matched. So evenly matched. Know so much about each other. There's a lot of animosity between each other a lot of respect and love but also just a lot of feelings and this is going to be a very back and forth game hard fought game one that may come down to the last player over time but i do for some odd inkling feel the woods will get past chaos this year i also have that feeling i am going to go with the redwoods to get a very this is the one game that it would not shock me if it goes to overtime of the postseason these two teams always play each other close they know each other so well not the first time they're meeting in the postseason either happened back in 2019 i'm very excited for this game hope everybody that is one of the boys and that's from josh Byrne to dane smith to ian mckay chase frazier blaze reardon troy ray uh i hope i'm not forgetting any but jared newman jack rowlett the list goes on and on and obviously at all friends of the program to nat st laurent to Ryder garnsey like this this game is filled with the boys boys 
of OTB. Um, hope everybody just has fun, plays well. But I do think the Redwoods get a close win. I think this game is going to be determined by one possession, whether it's a, a two-point game or a one-point game. This is going to be your closest finish of the weekend. But I'm going to take the Woods to get a hard-fought dub uh, and move on to Long Island. Then we go to 220. Whip Snakes, Water Dogs. In the three versus six. I don't know about everybody at home. I feel like the Water Dogs have been slept on as a defending champ more so than any team. They had a phenomenal year this year. Were able to showcase tons of their players. And were the quietest seven and three team like ever I just love the way this team is playing they have the energy I love the way Andy Copeland has this team coached give me the water dogs to to advance to Long Island and continue their their quest to try to repeat I think this will be a good game because of who the whip snakes are um and, and they're gonna come out and fight hard and they, they have a lot offensively um, but what this really comes down to for me is a very stout defense with the Water Dogs, and you have arguably the second best goalie on the in the world, and Dylan Ward in, in between the pipes for you. So I I gotta give it to the squad that rocks purple. And I mean, Water Dogs filled with a bunch of boys, Whip Snakes filled with a bunch of boys. We hope the homies perform well in this game. Uh, but I got the Water Dogs. You got the Water Dogs. Then we move to prime time. ESPN2, get your Louis bags ready. Cannons, Atlas, the two versus the seven, the rookie coach battle. Cannons playing, quote unquote, at home? Question mark? I don't know about everybody at home. But it's almost impossible to pick against the Cannons. The way they played. The way that this team rallies around one another, I got to go Cannons to get the dub at Gillette. Advance to the next round where they will play the winner of Water Dogs Whip Snakes. And I did forget to mention the winner of Redwoods Chaos has a date at 3 p.m. on ABC on Long Island, Sunday, September 10th, with the number one seed, Archers Lacrosse Club. So, Deej. Do we have a clean sweep of agreeing on picks in the quarterfinals? Yes. Yes, we do. I think the Cannons have been on a roll this year. Um, they didn't quite come out with the win last week, which is fine. Um, Colin no, Curse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's someone else I'm thinking of that didn't come out with the win. Archer's um, lost. Yeah. Yeah. I picked that, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I picked those. I did. I picked them. Uh, <laughs> it, they just played at a whole nother level. They love each other. They're excited. Like you said, they're basically back home. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Boston Cannon jerseys this weekend. And Sierra in the building? Sierra in the house? Shout out Fat Man Scoop? That'd be crazy. <laughs> um, but it's just something about the way they've played. Um, and when you have a guy like Brian Holman leading it's it's very hard to not go out and play with absolutely everything you have 
Um, so I think they have more than enough to move on. So there it is, everybody. Our PLL quarterfinals picks of the week brought to you by W Energy. We've got Redwoods. We've got Water Dogs. And we've got Cannons. And those are your PLL 2023 quarterfinals picks of the week brought to you by W Energy. DJ, we, we both had some final thoughts here for this episode as we wrap up. We have each a take on Chrome Lacrosse Club and their future. We were texting earlier this week. And the more and more I think about my take, and it's brought to you by our pals at Kenwood Beer, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia, and the Outside the Box podcast. The more and more I think about this, the more and more I feel compelled to believe that it could happen. The consensus number one overall pick, and go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker. See who's got Kenwood Beer on tap and crack open some Kennys when you want to put your chrome foil hats on. Got to be 21 or older to do so, and they may or may not be coming to the Maryland area sooner than you think we need them in new jersey next kenwoodbeer.com gotta be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly the more and more i think about this the consensus number one overall pick for the pll draft this coming year is none other than brennan o'neill for obvious reasons brennan o'neill obviously coming from duke university where he plays for Coach Donowski. Now, I cannot take full credit for this theory as our good pal, good friend, hopefully soon to be friend of the program because we would love to do a crossover event with the Crease Dive Boys. But my boy, the boy Jordy, tweeted this out a couple weeks ago saying how Matt Donowski should be the next coach of Chrome Lacrosse Club. Which got me thinking. Obviously Matt Donowski. His solo year that he played in the PLL. Was for. The Chrome Lacrosse Club. There it is. Now a lot of people obviously. When you bring up that discussion point. It's like oh Matt Donowski. He's supposed to. Fill in and. and fill the shoes of his dad. When his dad retires. and Be the next head coach at Duke. And continue on the Donowski legacy at Duke. Sure. Would it surprise me if Matt Donowski is the next head coach at Duke University? Absolutely not. But would it also surprise you if Papa Donowski comes through and is the next head coach of Chrome Lacrosse Club? This barring if Tim Sudan steps down at the end of the year. Obviously, we don't know if that's happening. But if it does, this is all hypothetical. But if Papa Donowski, as I'm going to call him for this exercise so we don't confuse the Donowskis, decides to hand over the keys to the Blue Devils to Matt Donowski, Papa Donowski comes to Chrome It makes so much sense to do it in a year where Chrome can draft 
the best player at Duke University, Brandon O'Neill. I mean, we talked about it a little bit off pod. I more so like the idea of Matt himself coming back. I love that too. And, and doing so as the offensive coordinator at Duke, he has the time. You know, like, like don't get me wrong, being an assistant coach and offensive coordinator at the college level is a lot of work, but that gives him more time to do the general manager and all the coaching duties for the PLL. We saw Connor Busek trying to do both head coach and PLL coach, and it didn't really work at the D1 level because we see – Well, he was doing D1 coaching and PLL playing. Right, right, um, which is kind of a little less – Strenuating, uh, but then he still didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine being a head coach for a Division One program and a head coach slash GM for a PLL program. That's a lot. Um, Nat gets away with it being a, a head coach at the D3 level. It's still very competitive and still a lot of work, but a little less tempered than D1. I think John kind of just likes where he is with Duke, and he's kind of um, – how I picture now John Harbaugh. I don't think John Harbaugh ever goes back to the NFL. I think he likes college ball too much. I'm going to compare it, – don't get, don't go anywhere with this comparison, people. John Donowski is a lot like myself. I don't want to go past high school. Deej Donowski over here. <laughs> I don't want to go past high school when it comes to coaching. Like That is the perfect level for me. I get to teach kids the game, but I also get to make relationships with them, grow with them, watch them become awesome young men. I get to have an impression on them, and it's not just about winning games and, and you know, money and, and the sport. So, that like, that is why I don't want to move past it. And I think John has found his home with college, and he likes the way the game is played. He likes the emphasis on, you know, kind of the old-school way of playing and the team game and the travel and – Everything that goes into the college game is why I don't think he moves on. So what I think we see is Matt coming back to the PLL as a coach, picking up Brennan, obviously, um, and maybe he even goes along something I brought up last week and picks up Dyson Williams as well, who he already has experience with. You put Brennan O'Neill in the midfield, you have Logan Wisnowskis and Cross on the wings, and you, you throw Dyson Williams at X – that offense just got exponentially better with a coach that knows how to use all of those players in the best possible way. Um, and then he can still do his thing at UNC as offensive coordinator. He does the Chrome thing for a few years. When his dad retires from Duke, he then goes back, takes over head coaching there, and then leaves a new Chrome team just looking for the headpiece to take over. And, I mean – want to talk about uh clickbait and storylines if it is john donowski that comes through who did john donowski replace at duke that i don't know mike pressler really oh wow because that was the obviously the the duke uh lacrosse story um was when pressler stepped down and then Donowski took over uh, in 2006, but you'd have two former Duke Lacrosse Club, uh, Duke Lacrosse head coaches, coaching in the PLL, and maybe that also 
inspires, if it is a Donowski, to be Matt Donowski rather than John Donowski, so that way that storyline isn't resurfaced and regurgitated when it doesn't need to be. Um, but I think either either Donowski, with obviously Matt's ties to Chrome and the PLL and Duke now, you hire him, he'd be the first young head coach in the PLL, and by young I mean in their 30s, to be a head coach, and then bring his best player with him, who he has coached, who has been around the past few years, and be able to continue coaching him uh, at the pro level, I think would be so smart and so fun. Um, Which on top of that, you had a take when a certain player development coach at the University of Maryland was announced this week. In one Mr. Bernhardt. Yeah, I mean, I I texted you immediately when I saw it, and I went, does this mean he's coming back to the PLL? Like, he by 1,000% will have the time to, to come back and play. Does he want to play first off? Um, you know, how does his body feel after playing football for a few years, or is he just kind of done with the whole playing sports thing, and that's why he got into coaching? That's kind of all the first initial questions. But then after that, forget drafting an ex-attackman. Just sign Jared Bernhardt out of the player pool. Draft Brennan O'Neill, And then use your picks, your other picks that you have in the draft, to get a midfielder. And, um, or a couple of midfielders. And, um, hello, every problem in the Chrome locker room is now fixed. With the snap of the fingers. Like, that is bananas to me. That this entire team can flip in a matter of a few pen scratches. Hey, let's sign Jared Bernhardt. Let's draft Brennan O'Neill, And then let's find out who are the best offensive midfielders in the league, in, in the country this year. And let's draft them as well. And boom. The offense is going to go through some rough patches as you get all of those personalities and play styles together. But once they have it, they're going to be off and running. You're, you're picking up some of the best young talent to be in the game right now. And we've seen that work time and time again. Chrome did it last year. Atlas did it the year before. Cannons did it this year. you got to pick up the best young talent if you want to continue Archers to Archers did it. Archers did it as well. Like if, if you want to play well in this league, it's about young talent, which I love because now we're starting to get on par with the rest of – you know, professional sports where you have your very small group of veterans that lead your team and kind of have been there before and showcase how it's done. But for the most part, all of your hard work and, and your, you know, your your leg work and your workhorses are young guys that have the bodies, have the stamina, the speed to go out and do that. 100%. So let us know in the YouTube comment section your thoughts on uh, our chrome foil hat theories, which we will have throughout the off season, and I love that name. That is copyright trademark, uh, OTB certified. Are we lagging? No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, chrome foil. Maybe maybe we make shirts. Chrome foil mm-hmm. hat shirts for the chrome fans. Uh, that's ours. Chrome foil hats, OTB certified. Uh, my last take that I promised to share last week that I will now share this week. 
as the summer box leagues get set for their championships and trophies handed out and everything. And as difficult as it is for people in the U.S. to find very reasonable access to these games, for the most part. When you look at some of these teams and some of their branding, we we need a complete overhaul of these logos and the branding for these summer box leagues. And I get it. They are quote-unquote amateur leagues. That doesn't mean you need to have amateur logos. Because my goodness, and in particular, it's the... The teams that play for the Man Cup, the WLA and whatever the hell the other league is. Apologies. I, I'm, we're recording late. This is the brain fog that comes in. Yeah. Um, is it? Is, no, it wasn't the OJWL. No, it's... Uh... By the way, we have not been recording this late recently it's been a long time it's real bad now we're back on our (laughs) bullshit man what Uh, (laughs) it's the wla and msl major series lacrosse these teams need a full fucking rebrand because my goodness i mean shout out to paul day love him till the till the end he's been amazing there's so many fucking sponsors on the Peterborough Lakers jerseys. We can't have a better logo than what we have here. Century 21 own Peterborough. Century 21 <laughs> Peterborough Lakers. Like, the amount of sponsors that we see across these teams on their jerseys, on all the brand. Like, we're looking right now at just the major series lacrosse website. What the fuck is the Brampton Excelsiors logo? <laughs> what? Breaking and entering. <laughs> yeah, that logo's broken. It is. That's for damn sure. It's broken. Looks like the Crooked Man. Broken and entering the trash. Man. That logo looks like it's pop locking and dropping. Right to right to the bottom. Color scheme is a toilet. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. No offense, Brampton Excelsiors, but can we do something better? And also, that's not maroon. That's brown. Yeah, that's that, brown. That's brown. That's brown. Uh, if that's not the mar- if that's not the color that they use in their jerseys, then there's some potential. But that's brown. That's brown. Brooklyn Lacrosse Club might be one of the better ones. There's a couple things we would change about your logo. Yep. To clean it up, but you're. You're pretty safe from Coburg Kodiak's. Your your Kodiak bear looked like he got a kink in his neck. <laughs> he's he's yelling like that. He's like ah because he's like ah my neck, my neck. Get my neck roll. Not the neck we we gotta roll. fix the neck there on on your Kodiak there. Uh, the Oakville Rock. You got a piece of basil behind the Rock logo. The Rock logo doesn't look centered at all. Um. We, we got to clean that up. We, we, we got to clean that up. I know we got boys that play for that squad. Shout out to Andrew Q. Shout out to, to Nick Rose. 
We got we got to clean that logo up. There's there's potential, but it's got to be cleaned up. Peterborough. What are we doing? Why why the L sitting on the lacrosse stick like that? I told I told DJ this last week after this looks like somebody made this logo in Microsoft Word. Not Microsoft Paint, not Photoshop, not Canva. This looks like back in the day when you were in a class in middle school and you were saving pictures and didn't know how to change the the depth of the photo. That's what this logo looks like. <laughs> when whenever you wanted something to look good, you had to make it tight. Yeah. But this looks like you just flat out were just copy pasting right they in Microsoft have, Word. They didn't have time. They just had to throw it together. We gotta do we I think we are going to challenge ourselves and rebrand the Century Twenty One. Your logo doesn't even say Peterborough in it. <laughs> it's just Century Twenty One Lakers. We're gonna we're gonna make that an OTB mission and make it so different that we can put it on a shirt. Ooh, I like that. We're going to rebrand these and put them on shirts. And to the teams, we'll sell you the logos if, if you like them for for a fee. Um, Six Nations Chiefs, um, you, you got two C's in your logo. You're the Chiefs. Is that how that's pronounced? I don't know, but I'm just assuming. <laughs> but you know what assuming does. Like, Yep, I do. Why you got two C's in your logo? We we got to do something about that. Your color scheme is great. It reminds me of like Hawaiian Punch. <laughs> but we got we got to fix the logo a little bit here with with the Chiefs. We got incomplete hexagon going on right here. We got to fix that. These logos are just, don't even get us started on the WLA and fucking Quicksilver <laughs> holding the lacrosse stick for the Langley Thunder. Them 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 bad. Them bad. These summer box leagues, though, hire a graphic artist. <laughs> or something. Somebody. Somebody. Oh, these logos need milk. I mean, pay us a uh, one-time fee. Yes. And we'll fix them all for you. They're bad. Because it's, it's out, of, out of pocket. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, this is bad. This <laughs> is very, very bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> Oh, I had to get that off my chest. Apologies to the teams. Sorry to these mans. Shout out Kiki Palmer. But my God, these logos are atrocious. And it just drives me nuts whenever I see them. I can uh, attest. And it's it just does. like, they're an eyesore. You want to try to be professional, look professional. As mm-hmm. we have always said on this podcast, we are look good. Look good. It's the first part. Feel good, play good. If you don't look good, you don't feel good. If you don't feel good, you don't play good. If you don't play good, you don't sleep good. Uh, but that's all we got for this episode. Let us know if you want us to redesign these logos. Maybe we'll do like a live stream. I'd be down for redesigning that. them. Um, let us know in the YouTube comment section. Follow us on the socials at OTB Lacks Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads. 
at OTB Laxpod. Follow Deej at SCS underscore next great on Twitter. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping this show continue to grow and our network as a whole. Subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show, shorts, clips, live streams, you name it. It comes to our YouTube channel. We are at 538 subscribers. Unless we get to 1,000 by Monday or the newly gauntlet thrown. 600 subscribers by the time the clock hits zero in the championship game on September 24th. DJ's going to Alaska. And on top of that, if we get to 100 TikTok followers... DJ will not have to go to Alaska without his luggage. Pretty fair deal, if I do say so myself. I think I, I think I can manage that. Uh, so go subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on TikTok and all the socials, uh, and get your merch, phiapparel.co, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. This has been episode number 290, a PLL quarterfinals preview edition of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, number nine NCAA ranked, and of course viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. If there are any Philadelphia area lacrosse coaches at the college level listening to this podcast, or any players, tell your coaches to hit us up. Mm-hmm. If you got this far in the podcast, a two-hour of power episode, and you are a Philadelphia-area college lacrosse player or coach, please send us an email, undergroundsportsphi at gmail.com, or slide into our DMs. We have an idea to pitch to you. We'll leave it at that. We'll see you in Massachusetts. We'll see you at Gillette. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here. We are signing off. Peace. And that's outside the box.